This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to move on. Uh, One of the things I want to challenge you with is to read the book of Daniel. Two weeks ago, I literally said to all of us, you're going to want to take notes. And some of you discouraged me because you didn't even budge. You're you're like this. And I thought to myself, if I can't convince church people to take notes on scripture, then um, I got to work on my persuasion skills. So this is not for me. This is for you. Uh, Take a phone, write some notes, uh, remind yourselves, because let me tell you something. We are uh, in a battle for not only our lives, but those around us in our children's lives. And Daniel will help us, the book of Daniel will help us to extrapolate some truths that we begin to implement in our lives, that we can uh, continue in our lives uh, following Jesus fully and completely. I have uh, my slide here is, is chapter two, the conflict. If you see there, you're going to see a major conflict arise. And, and you're going to look at your job and you say, well, my job, you think you have conflict. It's nothing compared to what you'll see in Daniel chapter 2. Let's just read for a brief moment. I won't read the whole chapter, but I'm hoping that you will read it on your own. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turn into piles of rubble. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine somebody saying, hey, I don't want to just tell me what my my dream means. I want you to tell me about the dream and then tell me the meaning. That's a tough task. Would you, have you ever talked, try to figure out dreams? I had a few dreams that have been crazy. It's been about my dad. Um, uh, I love my dad. My dad passed away uh, eight, nine months ago. And I had a dream that uh, I was at a, an event with him. It was in a soccer event with my son. And, and we were at this, this, like this lab. And it was time for a break, like a meet and greet. And so I went to the concession stand. And my dad is serving the drinks. And I said, Dad, I want a water. And he goes, no, you want an oatmeal drink. Now, I don't, has anybody ever had an oatmeal drink, a, like cold beverage of oatmeal? It's, a, it's like str- uh, strained oatmeal, and you just drink the juice. Exactly. It doesn't sound very tasty, right? So I said, no, Dad, I don't want oatmeal drink. I want water. And he goes, no, you want the oatmeal drink. And I said, no, I want the water. And I said, <laughs> so I kind of put my foot down. Um, and I said, no, I want water. So he tosses this porcelain teacup or, you know, coffee cup at me and chips my tooth. What does that mean? I don't know. It just means that uh, it's a crazy dream. But here this king has his dream, and he says, listen, I want you to not only tell me what the dream is, I want you to tell me what it means. 
And if you don't tell me correctly, I'm going to cut you up and turn your houses into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me a gift and rewards. Now, you can read the rest of the chapter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it in a second. There's a, an old Chinese saying that says, may you live in interesting times. And now, I imagine that all of you would raise your hand and say, we are living in interesting times. Let me challenge you to, um, you know, it seems like every time there's uh, persecution, uh, we start talking end times, right? I mean, it's, it's all over the world, right? It's, it seems like all over, uh, at least Christian circles, the end times, this must be the end. I, I'm here to tell you that there are people who've been suffering for decades. Uh, and so it's not just when we begin to suffer that that's the sign of end times. Uh, I'm just trying to say, let's, let's not always think that it's always about us, uh, but God so loved the world. But we are living in interesting times. Now, would you rather live in interesting times or boring times? We'll see. We don't really have that choice, do we? It seems like no matter which generation you're born in, it's interesting times. Now, in your 20s, if you're in your 20s and 30s, some of you are just starting out in life. Uh, life is incredibly interesting. It's, it's full of decisions. And when you turn 30 and 40s, all of a sudden, I, I joked around. It was like, uh, if you're married and have kids, it's almost like you're, you're drowning. You know, you, you just come up a little bit for air, and then you, you go back down again. And, uh, and so that's what 40s can be. You can start getting tired in your 40s. For the, you know, all of a sudden, you want to go to bed early. Uh, some of you might be in your 30s thinking, I want to go to bed early. And then uh, in your 50s, I'm in my 50s now, and I think it's really interesting being in my 50s. It's, it's like things have changed. It's a little bit quieter. Um, but then, you know, if you're grandparents, then you start praying really hard for your grandkids. Uh, you thought you prayed hard for your kids. Now you pray really hard for your grandkids. Um, no matter what stage of life you're in, it's incredibly interesting. And Daniel is in, a, is in a particular situation. I want to tell you something. I, I hope you remember this. I hope you remember this. This is something new from what I've gathered reading Daniel this, this time around. We did this Daniel series back in 2012, eight year, years ago. Uh, this is something new that I've, I just couldn't believe. Daniel's situation, the situation that he's in is his calling. That's his calling, the situation that he's in. You know what I noticed about reading Daniel? Of course, we don't have every word that he's ever uttered. But Daniel did not shake his fist at God for putting him in the situation that he found himself in. He didn't blame his parents. We don't see that. Daniel's situation is his calling. Let me say it another way. Daniel's calling is his situation. He didn't shake his fist at God. He didn't shake his fist at his ancestors because it was his ancestors that put him in this situation. We read that in chapter one. This is our fourth session. So uh, one, two, and three, we saw that God is faithful to his word and now he's punishing the, uh, the Jewish Israelites and they now have been sent over. They were captured and sent to another land and Daniel's situation is his calling. 
or his calling is his situation. So many times we think, I don't like my situation. I just want to get out of my situation. As a pastor, for many years, I've talked to people that think that if they can just get out of their situation, they can begin to really live for the Lord. If I can, if I can go to that place, if I can get to that situation, then I can live out my calling. Even as, as a pastor, you would think that I'm, because I, I preach and I, I read the Bible and I, and I pray that that's my calling. No, this is the situation I'm in, and the situation is my calling, that God has brought me to this part of my life. And living for him, no matter what my situation is, is my calling. But too many of us get duped to think, to think if I could just, you know, I remember a, f- a friend of mine, he told me that if he can just get out of his marriage, he can find, you know, like God's perfect plan for his life. If I can just get out of, of my situation, so many times as parents, and, I, and I've been there, uh, my kids are here, so, um, you know, I thought if I, if I could just, if I could just have uh, more compliant children, you know, life would just, you know, I could really serve the Lord if I had more compliant children. But Daniel's situation is his mission field. So for better or for worse, Daniel is living in interesting times. He didn't place himself in the situation. Can you imagine? It, his situation, it's gonna get really bad here. You know chapter two, three, and four. His situation is somebody else's fault. His situation is somebody else's fault. And we're not going to see any verses of him complaining about those people that put him in that situation. Now, we know that Daniel lived quite a long life, about 70 years, and we can reduce or deduce that most of Daniel's life was probably just normal. And we're going to read in chapter 2, you're going to read it at home, that the Lord was with Daniel throughout his whole life. Some of us have lived longer than than others, and I can tell you, there are times where I didn't feel like the Lord was with me, but as I look back, I can see that he was with me. There are some prayers I prayed, Lord, do this, do this, and it didn't happen. Years later, I think, Lord, thank you for not answering my prayer when I was praying that prayer. The Lord was always with Daniel throughout his whole life, And let me challenge you, do you recognize that God is with you, even in your circumstances? So let me ask you another question. Can your friends see a difference in your life? So um, we have lots of teachers here, and I imagine uh, it'd be interesting to see if your principal could tell me, obviously there's a difference between our Christian teachers and our non-Christian teachers. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? uh, you could ask, you know, uh, so I'm not in, you know, this is my workplace, so that I work with Christians, and uh, so maybe I play adult league soccer, maybe you could ask some of my friends, is there a difference between, as far as character, skill set, I'm the best, but as far as character, uh, could, you know, you could ask some of my teammates, like, is there a difference between Mario and 
his teammates? That's a good question that we need to ask ourselves. Can your family members, can your neighbors, can they tell a difference between someone like yourself who, who's a, a believer and those who aren't? Can, can they see a difference? Do they see a, a difference in your marriage? If we were to record how you kind of interact through tense times, could there, could there be a difference? Is there a difference? Is there a difference when, when uh, life trauma hits your life? Is there a difference between how as Christians we respond and those who are not Christians and how they respond? I have a former student, ministry student, Aaron Simpson. He, his ch uh, child was born of severe deformities. Is there a difference between how Aaron and his wife handled it and those who don't know the Lord? And from what I know of Aaron, it obviously seems that there is a difference in his life. How about when, when a mom with five kids, actually she has seven kids, gets cancer? I'm thinking of Janelle Holloway up in South Carolina. She had five of her own kids and adopted two. And then she has Major breast cancer. Is there a difference how Janelle responded to those who don't know the Lord? Knowing Janelle, yes. I have a friend of mine that at the ripe age of 35, full-blown Parkinson's, Tim. How do we respond to life circumstances? How do we want Christ to shine in our lives? How do we resolve conflict in marriage? Will there be a difference or is there no difference? And Daniel chapter two is such an encouraging chapter to see how he responds to his circumstances. Let's go right to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Can you imagine? He has this dream. And in those days, in ancient days, dreams were like big. I mean, it was like... Um, it's like something that is revealing the future. And wouldn't all of us would like to know what the future holds, right? Uh, I would like to know. I'd like to know if I should sell my house or hold on to it. You know, should I refinance or not refinance? You know, it's like this game of I wish I knew what the, the future holds. Uh, and so this dream in their minds is something that will, will kind of show their hand of the future. Now, you know the story because we just read it. So now King Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm not going to break down the whole chapter. We're going to uh, keep going throughout the weeks. He summons his professionals. Hey, pros, I've been paying you. You are on the payroll to do a certain task for me as the king. And now I want you, you know, you've been, you've been doing nothing all these years. Uh, now it's time to do what I've been paying for you to do. Now talk about a tough day at work. These Babylonian wise men were horrified. You know, they divined, they can divine things. Not, they're not prophets. They're, they, they can discern spirits, but they couldn't just somehow mind read somebody's dreams. Look what it says in chapter two, verse 10. The astrologers answered the king. There's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing. 
of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king is asking is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. Look, listen to that line. No one can reveal to the king except the gods. And I love this line. Verse 11, just look at it. No one can reveal to the king except the gods because they do not live among humans. That's what they're saying. Hey, their gods do not live among humans. The gods of the Babylonians are not the type of gods that will reveal truths to their representatives. But if you have your scripture, you could look, or write down Amos chapter three. Our God, the God of Israel, the God that we serve, says this, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, prophets. So King Nebuchadnezzar is ticked. He's angry. He's infuriated. Verse 12, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And the men were sent out to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Can you imagine? You're uh, hundreds of miles away just minding your own business, you know. I can almost picture this beautiful green uh, countryside and, and the wife is, you know, uh, doing the laundry and, and, you know, the husband, you know, the, the, the prophet is, you know, just kind of taking care of the lawn. Uh, and you're just minding your own business. And this man shows up on a horse. It's almost like comedic, isn't it? Hey, Daniel. Oh, hey, Charlie. How's it going? Good. How's it going? Fine. How's the family? Fine. You know, they'll do this. Oh, um, I have to kill you. It's like, what? Why? I, I don't know, but I've just been sent to go kill you. But, but I didn't do anything. I know. I'm sorry, but um, I have to kill you. Now, why would King Nebuchadnezzar do that? Why would he kill the guy that's 200 miles away and not just, well, I'm thinking, well, maybe he's thinking, if this is my best, if this is the A team right here in my palace, and those who are miles away are the B team and the C team, then they cannot be better than what I have, so might as well just take them off the payroll. So when Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put death to the wise men of Babylon, verse 14, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom intact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a decree, harsh decree? Ariok explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream. Can you put, put yourself in Daniel's shoe? And I'm gonna stop here in a minute because I don't wanna go too long. It's a very long story. Put yourself in Daniel's shoe. How would you respond? How would you respond? If you're Daniel thinking, wait a second, I, I survived this, this holocaust where they killed my people, and, and then, they, uh, then they captured me, and they brought me, and they made me eat in the king's court. I had to eat vegetables and whole grains, and, and uh, now I'm going to die because he has a bad dream? I want you to read the scriptures again at home. Daniel does not panic. Even though his life is unfolding, 
unraveling, we're gonna see here in scriptures that Daniel doesn't unravel. There's something pretty powerful about Daniel. He just, he just seems to know who his God is. He's not shaking his fist at him. He's not cursing at him. He's not leaving him. He's like, I'm done. I don't understand what's going on. This is, life is unfair. I'm, I'm out. He doesn't unravel. Somehow he knows that when life begins to unravel, that God is not unraveling. And that's why we can, as Christians, we can just chill out on November 7th. That Wednesday morning, I'm gonna get up and go to work. If you were here last week, I told you, or two weeks ago, that... Um, you know, in 1992, when um, the pre person I uh, voted for didn't win, man, my life began to unravel. I got all tense, filled with anxieties, fear. I mean, started gripping my heart. And when I look at Daniel's life, he didn't panic. He knew that all events were under the control of God. And somehow he figured that God had a purpose in all this. It wasn't the end of the world, although the end of the world was, seemed really imminent in his life. God is good. You know what? Daniel, Daniel asked for something that the Babylonian foretellers, they also asked. They asked for time. And I'm going to stop here. God is good and answered Daniel's prayer. So the question I have for you and me this morning I just want to go to my next slide. Many, this is uh, A.W. Tozier wrote, many of us Christians have become extremely skillful in arranging our lives so as to admit the truth of Christianity without ever being embarrassed by its implication. We arrange things so that we can get on well enough without divine aid, while at the same time ostensibly seeking it. We boast in the Lord, but watch carefully that we never get caught depending on him. My last slide is the church has learned to live on bread alone. And I want to challenge us this morning. I didn't finish my, my message. I'll you know, continue on. So there's not, a, it's, there's not a natural end to today's sermon. But I want to challenge you. What kind of, what kind of person is God wanting you to be? And I will tell you this, that that person doesn't come to be if you change your circumstances. Well, I'm gonna be, I can, I can serve the Lord better if this happens. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, is, is an incredible, awesome story to challenge me and you that the situation is our call. God has called us to live for him, live for him fully, that our lives would be a light to the world that's around us, that we would be like a, a beacon of light where people are so desperate, because life happens to all of us, right? Health issues, financial issues, marriage issues, how, do, how are we going to respond? And we're going to see in a few weeks how Daniel responds when he's placed into the furnace of life. So this morning, I want to ch close up here. 
for those who are at home watching, let me encourage you to read the chapter and say, God, help me through the Holy Spirit to be what you've called me to be. Help me to live in my situation that I'm in for your glory. For your glory, whatever the circumstances I might find myself in, Lord, I pray that how I respond will bring you the greatest glory. Lord, help me to place my life, my identity, my future. Help it to find its rest in you. That no matter things unravel, Lord, we can find peace knowing that you are not unraveled. You are not been thrown off the throne. And Lord, we know that you have a greater purpose. So Lord, we don't rejoice on November 7th because it might go away, our way, or we're not gonna get downtrodden because it doesn't go our way. We will rejoice on the 7th because you are still on the throne and you are still worthy. You are still worthy for our lives to live and, and follow. So Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you for this book that you've given us to read and this life that we get to see. And Lord, we, Lord, have been challenged by your Holy Spirit. Help us, Father. Help me. Help me this morning. Lord, to never be settled with living on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Every eye closed, every head bowed, and say, Pastor Mario, I just wanna just, I wanna raise my hand real quick to say, Pastor Mario, will you pray for me? Because I want to make sure my life um, in my circumstances brings glory to God. That you just raise your hand, yes. Hands all over. My hands are up. Lord, help me to be a good neighbor. Help me to be a good neighbor to my neighbors. Lord, I pray that my friends that I play soccer with, Lord, help them to see a difference. Thank you, Father. Help us at work. Lord, if we're not that person, Lord, help us through your Holy Spirit to bring, as Christopher mentioned about repentance and, and conviction, Lord, I pray that we would bow our knee to you, Father, and begin to walk in your path. We say thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.